Well, I enjoyed that. I hope you did too. Well, we're no longer in our New Testament Together series. Y'all don't seem too disappointed, so... <laughs> Uh, I had to decide on what to, to preach today. It's been a while because it's been kind of figured out for me for most of this year. Uh, so I actually cheated. I went to the lectionary, and if you don't know what that is, ask one of your uh, Methodist or Presbyterian friends and looked at what they were doing today. And one of the Psalms that was on uh, the lectionary text today was Psalm 121. Uh, the reason I've uh, selected this text for today is because when my son was a little bitty baby, my, not my baby son, but my older son, uh, we had this psalm on his wall. Had a little Jeep painted in the background going up a hill, you know, one of those things. Uh, but let me read it together and let's listen to it um, first as poetry and then we'll look at what it says to us as confession. But the psalm begins this way. It says, I lift my eyes up to the hill from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will ne neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This was, is a powerfully packed psalm. This is, if you looked at the header, which was added later, this comes in a collection of psalms. It is Psalms of Ascents. Uh, these were pilgrim psalms. It was one that they would recite and that they would share and that they would go on as they traveled to Jerusalem for one of the, the annual festivals that they had. And, sorry, let's get that. Maybe that doesn't bother me so bad. But as they would travel to Jerusalem, it is said that the only way you can go to Jerusalem is up. It doesn't matter if you're traveling north to Jerusalem or south to Jerusalem or east or even west. No matter where you come from, from the surrounding areas, you are traveling up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is set on a hill. It is naturally fortified, and that was one of the reasons that it, it had been so difficult for armies and invaders to, to take in the past is because of its natural location. King David took it. It was almost divine intervention, and it was. And when the Babylons took it, it was as if God let the invaders come in, because it was. But Jerusalem was this special place up on a hill. And when you hear the words of Jesus, you over and over hear this symbolism of Jerusalem itself. It says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. That was Jerusalem. It was a place of pilgrimage. It was a place of journey. But just think back. Well, let's just think of our present time, honestly. Let's just think of how life is today. When we go on a journey, do we think too much of it? If we go for travels? No, not really. Automobiles are very reliable these days, are fairly reliable. I don't know what you drive or how many miles it has on it. But, you know, years ago, if you had 30,000 miles on a car, man, that thing was a clunker. It was not gonna go very far without having to stop three or four times to get it fixed. People have two, three hundred thousand miles on vehicles. 
and they're still running strong. You know, cars weren't always built with uh, a manufacturing standpoint. They were hand-built creations, these horseless, horseless carriages. And only the rich had them. So, you know, even in our country during the day, if you were going to travel, you probably went by foot or horseback. But there were roads, there was things connecting villages. You know, we look back at uh, the day that Je Jesus walked or that these pilgrims were making their journey. You could go by ship, couldn't get to Jerusalem very well that way if you know your geography. But you could go by ship for a while. Traveling in that area of the Mediterranean, storms were prone to pop up without notice. And without, you know, satellites looking at weather patterns and things like that, you had to trust your senses. You had to trust the seasons. You would use the signs of the heaven, you know, red sky at night, sailors delight, red sky at morning, sailors take warning, those kind of things. But these storms would take them quickly. Even Jesus is pictured crossing his bodies of water in a storm, fast asleep because he knew whose hands he was in. He knew what he was here for. Or let's say you, you were privileged and you had a donkey to carry your load. You know how fast a donkey travels? Because I really don't. I've never ridden one. I've seen them at petting zoos. I've ridden a glue factory horse before, but that's about as... Uh, you know the ones I'm talking about. You go to those little horse shows and they pretty much walk in a circle. No, no matter what you do with your feet or how you pull the reins, they're going to go that same path. That's the one they give people like me. They don't want you to have much control over that horse. But let's just say you had some kind of animal to help carry your load, pack your journey. It assisted you. Still wasn't very fast. Let's just picture our day. Let's just imagine, for instance, we were going on a pilgrimage and we didn't have automobiles, we didn't have trucks or, or planes to get us there, and we were going to travel across our vast West Texas now we have a little bit of advantage. We don't have the surrounding hills to get in our way. So we can look out over the horizon and see if there's anybody coming our direction. And we can prepare for an interception if there looks to be trouble on the horizon. But where do you stop and get water in our area? You know, sometimes there's water on the ground. Most of the times there's not. If you were a journey back a long time ago, even in this area, you'd have to know where wells were or natural springs that weren't obvious. You'd have to know how to read the signs of the terrain. I love reading some of the uh, Coronado's uh, adventures through our part of the world. He said it was uh, as if a sea of grass with not as much as an ant hill to mark a terrain. It's fascinating. But now we have things all over the place. We have blinking lights at night, so we know about where we are on the highway. Some of you call it the red light district, not that kind of red light district, but it's the red light district when you know you're almost back to Floydata, coming from the north. But as these ancient travelers look, they had all kind of things. They had that arid kind of terrain where they weren't sure where to find water during certain times of the year. They also didn't have uh, reliable transportation other than their feet. They didn't have uh, all the things that we would come accustomed to. They didn't have places they could pull off for a snack. 
There weren't quick stations, there weren't fast food, there wasn't even sit-down restaurants where you could just enjoy some American conditioning. You had to take your food, you had to take your water, you had to plan ahead. But then not only that, was the terrain was full of bandits. You know the story of the Good Samaritan? Now, Jesus didn't tell these stories because they were fascinated. He told these stories, especially in these parables, because they made sense to the average condition of each and every one of the life of the people that he spoke to. But journey in these days were treacherous. Treacherous. <laughs> Had some extra syllables there. And so that's why they looked. And so when, when uh, those who were devout, those who lived outside of the Holy Land, those who had to travel in pilgrimage to, to be there for the festivals, because it was so important for their religion to be in the temple, you know, at least once a year, to be part of the system so you could be where God's presence was, where the Holy of Holies were, that you could be closer to God, that it was important for you to be there. But then they looked up to these hills that they were going to travel through. And they said, where does my help come from? Now we could think, that, oh, we know, look into the hills, all these treachery, you know, these caves and hollers that these bandits could hide down. But it was more than that. If you've read through the Old Testament, through, through the uh, book of Judges, through the book of Kings and Chronicles, you know that in this holy land, it was full of other gods, other shrines, other deities other things that they could seek for help. And so as they, they looked, they could see the, the, the hill that had this, this God on or the hill that had this one over here. And so it was more of a question of not, I'm looking to the hills, where's my help come from? There's, I don't know, but there's so many options for help for these ancient travelers. There was local shrines that they could go and they could burn a little incense or pour a little drink offering on that would protect them on this particular road. That's how it worked. But this ancient pilgrim knew better. They knew where their help come from because they ask a question and then they answer in a confession. It says, as I look to the hills with all of the problems of this world, all of the aids of this world, where can I find the help that I need? Have we asked that question? Sometimes I think we ask that question without forming the answer. Sometimes we look at medical professionals as our source of help, and that is our only source of help. In our Western world, we have advances in medicine that will prolong life, sometimes prolong life longer than it should. But we have cured many diseases when we think about it. And we think that, oh, we don't even have to vaccinate our children anymore because we can just go to the doctor and get some medicine. There's some things you can't treat with medicine. There's some things that are preventable but aren't necessarily treatable. Or even if they are treatable, the outcome and the side effects and the troubles and the scars on our body remain. There are fevers that can attack not only your body but your heart and scar your heart. But we can take for granted now on how far we came because we feel convinced that medicine will fix everything. That it will cure all of our ailments and let us live long and healthy lives and be vibrant. But there are a lot of people who live long lives and do not have vibrancy in them. Where else do we look for our help? Do we look in the eyes of secularism and we see it in the economy and our politicians? 
Well, if we just get the right leaders in the office and they, they make the right decisions with the government taxes, they're going to make everything better because they know better than us on how to tend to the needs of our entire nation. We can think that way and we can put our trust there, but that's not where this pilgrim looked for it. They didn't look for their trust into Caesar. They always look for their trust into the Lord. Where else can we look for our help? Can we look to our military to protect us from invaders? Can we look to our, our peace officers and firefighters, our, our EMTs? Where else do we look for our help? There are many places that I think we journey to look for our help, look for help. Sometimes we look into self-help and, and to, to, to diet plans and these kind of things. It says, well, you know, the answer to all of my problems in life is the fact that I'm overweight and I just need to lose weight. And if I lose weight and I'm skinny and I'm healthy and fit and I can do all these things, then everything's just going to be better and I'm going to be happy. But there are many people that have gone on weight loss journeys our health journeys and have come to the end of the road and they've reached all of these goals and they're happy that they've reached their goals but they still have the pain and the scars of life's journey behind them and they may look better on the outside but inside they're still as unhappy and miserable as they were before and it doesn't add up because they didn't know where to look for their help they didn't know where to find the help that truly mattered but these pilgrims knew because they asked the question, as I, I lift my eyes up to the hills, where does my help come from? And the pilgrim answered, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. It is the recognition of our creator. It is the recognition of the one who cares for the sparrow, the one who cares for the least of these, the one who created it all, created it for a purpose, the one who allows you to be born, the one who allows you to die. They know who created all. They know who put the mountains where they were. They know who built the seas. They know who spoke and it came to be. They know who gave life. And because of they, they know who the Creator is, then they can have confidence that they will be their helper. Because in the problems of life, we know that we can leave it to the accidental forces of nature. Many have thought that way, that the world that we live in is just a series of accidents. There was a big bang sometime a long, long distant past, and that it was just an accident that we're here do you really think that? Do you think our life is but an accident? If you do, you don't know where to find your help. These pilgrims who was getting ready to go on the journey looked to God and they saw that the Lord was their help because he was the creator and the sustainer of life. He was the one who set leaders in place and he took leaders down. He was the one who lifted up countries and took countries down. They had experienced in their own past. They were a chosen people set out among all the other nations so that they may know the true blessing of God. 
But they were chosen not because of themselves, not because they were inherently better or worse than their their neighbors, but because God needed a people to show his witness, to reveal himself so that mankind, that humankind would truly know who their creator was. Without the stories that God revealed to his people through through those early uh, leaders of this church, how would we know? And when the time was right, he further revealed his message through his very son who had come to earth, born of a woman, who would live a life like we did, but one without sin. Who would teach, who would explain the scriptures in a way that they had not understood them before. He would heal. He would lift the dead. He would do all these things in their present, yet he was not what they wanted. He was not the help that they sought. They sought the help that would bring their pride and their glory back. And because of that, they crucified him. But because Jesus humbly let himself be crucified, he took up the pain of sin upon his own flesh so that we may have life and life abundantly through him who is our creator. But the the psalmist who writes, or the pilgrimage who, who answers the question, this question and confession, is this confession of recognizing who our Lord is. But then it in turn goes to a blessing. Because in life's journey, there are many paths. And sometimes we look at journey from birth to death. But many times in life we say, we're going on a journey. We have this in front of us. We sometimes set limits to our journeys. They're short, part-time, temporarily. They may be a vacation to where we leave home and go for rest and relaxation and we pray to return home safely. Maybe it's to rewind our, our, or recharge our batteries, these kind of things. There are other journeys that we aren't anticipating. Car wrecks, illnesses, things that take us off our normal path. Sometimes those journeys are hard to deal with, the unexpected. Now, these pilgrims who went on their journey to Jerusalem, these are not uh, promises that nothing bad will ever come about you in their life because I'm sure these pilgrims knew the troubles that other fellow pilgrims had on their journey because they knew of the bandits that plagued the road. They knew of the lack of water. They knew of all these troubles that could come by their way, but these are promises of God's character. They're who God is, and it's a recognition of who God is is what is going to sustain you through life's journeys, no matter if they were planned or unintentional. But as we ask the question, where does our help come from? If we can confess with our hearts that our help comes from the Lord, then we can receive the blessing that God would so easily give us if we allow him. But in verse three, it tells us, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. When life's journey is difficult, if our faith is sound and our trust in the Lord is complete, when we go through those trials of life, 
They may not be fun. They may not be pleasant. But we know that God will keep us. He will keep our feet surely planted in the direction that we'll have. And He'll give us understanding. Maybe not the answer why these things happen, but He will give us understanding that He is God and He loves us and that He cares for us even in the trials of life. He will keep us so that we will stay with Him because He doesn't slumber like those other gods in this ancient world who would sleep and that would go dormant during seasons. These fertility gods that would sleep during the winter months, He didn't take a time off. He is ever-present all the time, always on, looking out for us and looking out for our brothers and sisters. In verse 4 it says, Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Again, he was always with you. You know, I'm reminded of that saying. It wasn't used in this context, but it says, What would you do when Jesus is coming back? It was actually a threat to us as we were kids. If what you're doing, would you want to be doing that when Jesus comes back? You know, it was that that constant question that you have to ask yourself. If what I'm doing now, is it God-honoring? Does it bring glory to God? Does it confess what I believe? If it does, then you can go right on doing it. But what you are doing, if it's sinful, if it is shameful, if it is off the path that you are traveling, should you be doing it? It doesn't matter if we ask that question. God is with us all the time. He is with us in our triumph and in our failure. He will lift us up when we are down. He forgives us our sin when we confess to Him truly on what we have done. Because we are a frail creature. We are living in an incomplete world. Jesus Christ has come and set us free, but we are still plagued with the sin and pain and death and illness and evil that's so prevalent in this world. But the Lord who keeps us, it says, keep as in watch over, as in protects. He will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. Again, keep. So important in this psalm. He is the shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. In this dry, arid land, that sun could be dangerous. Even in the story of Jonah, we see the scorching wind and the heat beating upon Jonah's head as he watches to see what happens to those Ninevites. We can understand that. Those who have ever done manual labor out in the heat of the day, you understand what this means. We kind of miss a little bit of the moon by night. There are superstitions and things, but we still feel it. You know, nothing ever good happens after midnight, right? There's something evil about the darkness. When you come into your house in the afternoon and no one's there, are you fearful during the day? Or if you come in late at night and no one's there and everything's off, as black as can be, you can't find the light switch, do you start getting a little nervous? We do. When we don't understand or when we can't see, We start to have fear deep inside of us, something about the night. But it doesn't matter if it is the broadness of day or the darkness of night. The Lord is there. He is there. He is your keeper. He walks through you through the brightest of days and the darkest of nights. Verse 7, it says, The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. You know, we talk about the problems of life. 
and the evil that is around us, and it is true. But this life is just a grain of sand on the seashore of eternity. Our life, whether we have 50 years, 70 years, 120 years of life on this earth, is but a dot in the scheme of history. We study people who had full and vibrant lives. The founders of our country. Who can you go talk to that signed that Declaration of Independence? Who is there to conversate with? As important as they were for us as a nation, their life is just a blip on the map of history. So it doesn't matter what kind of evil we face in this life. Our reward will be in the next. Our reward will be when this life is fulfilled. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is eternity. So when we go on life's journey, when we go on pilgrimage of this world, when we enter into a confession and we set our faith in Jesus Christ, we can join with this pilgrim song. From the time that we were lowered in those baptismal waters to the time we are lowered in the grave, we can look to the hills and we can ask, where does our help come from? But we already know the answer because we can confess, my help comes forth from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Please join with me in a word of prayer. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, we are thankful for today. We are thankful for the life of the pilgrim. Lord, we teach, teach us to have that life, that the life that we are on is this journey of faith and that you are with us and you watch over us and that you keep us and that you protect us. No matter if evil, evil comes to our doorsteps or we live in a life of pleasure and innocence all of our days. Lord, we teach us to walk out these doors and not have fear because you are with us. You keep our feet straight and you protect our path. It's in your name we pray, amen. And now as we enter our time of invitation, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you wanna let everyone know about it, please come forward. If you've been visiting this church for some time and you're ready to join us as brothers and sisters, please come forward. Or if you're simply in need of prayer, come forward at this time.